0: Check the mic and make sure it sound right,
1: boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent. It's just me for this week, but I'll go over the win against Georgetown, the loss against UConn. We'll have an interview with Aaron Wheeler, and then we'll look ahead to our only game this week against Marquette. Uh, as I said, I got you know it's an empty empty room here today. Got no Tim, Craig, Nick. They're all out. Nick's in Spain. Tim's not under the weather. Craig's got stuff going on. So you're just stuck with me today. That's all you got. Unfortunately for you guys, you'll have to listen to me break things down by myself. But I'll do my best. Um, Looking at the first game of last week, it was a game against Georgetown. uh, 79-70 to victory. And I know it's not exactly what we wanted, right? It's a nine-point victory against a team that we feel like we should have done a lot better against. Uh, But to be honest, a win's a win. And with the state of things right now on this team... You take what you can get. Now, just as a reminder, Pinzone is out indefinitely, so he was not in this game, uh, just to keep you updated on that. So, decent game for us, 50% from the field, not too shabby. 14% from three, though, that's a terrible number for us. 65% from the free throw line, seemingly about our average average. Uh, plus three in the rebound battle, plus four in the turnovers. 16 turnovers, though, is a high number for us. We like to see that number much lower, and that's why the game was a nine-point game, to be completely honest, and why we saw Georgetown have leads in this game. The the turnovers killed us. Uh, It's been a problem all year, and this game was no exception. Uh, We were just good enough to overcome the issue in this one. We had our normal starters for this game, so Posh, Wusu, Store, Stanley, and Soriano. A lot of S's on our starting lineup, by the way. Uh, we got an, all the way from A to W, but three S's in the middle. Uh, Soriano led the team, 16 points, 8 rebounds. Store, great day for him, 15 points, 6 of 14 from the field. That's a little, it's probably 44%. Uh, good shooting day. Posh, 11 points, 4 steals, 3 assists. Another good one from him. Stanley and Wusu both had 4 points. Wusu had 5 assists. Pretty decent day from our starters. Off the bench, though, it was David Jones. 14 points, 12 rebounds. He's been spectacular uh, since he's come back from the unfortunate passing of his father. Uh, You know, just routine double-digit game. This is a perfect example. Another double-double for him. Really nice to see him playing well. Uh, and he had played well earlier on in the Big East season, or I should say out a conference season right before the Big East season. And then he kind of petered down, um, but he's come back on strong. And it's really nice for him. I'm sure it's it's been a tough year for him. So seeing him play very well, I know, is really a positive for us as a team. And I think it helps build the group up. Uh, Andre Corbello was back for this Georgetown matchup, first time in three games. Decent day for him, 11 points, five steals. So we'll take that. On a first day back from being suspended for unknown reasons. Uh, I guess we'll just leave that to that. Um, For Georgetown, it was Brandon Murray, 25 points. uh, And Jay Heath, 16 points. But they killed us, absolutely killed us in three-pointers. 41% from three is what they shot against us. Tim had talked about it last week. Three-point defense is our Achilles heel. Uh, We're just terrible at it. Uh, And this one showed they made nine. Now they shot 22 of them which is probably why they found this. I was on the losing end. Uh, but 9 for 22 is still 41%, pretty good from 3. That's a lot of 3s, though, so you're living and dying there. And they did hit a good amount of them, but they just didn't hit enough to get over the hill. You know, this was a game where it was scary at times. Georgetown had leads. Georgetown had decent-sized leads. Uh, but we stayed gritty. We got back in it, got back, came away with a victory. Yeah, I know it's not what we want. Right, It's not what we wanted this season to go, this whole season to go. Uh, But at the end of the day, you take it as the victory it is, and you say, we got the job done. We didn't have an embarrassing loss to Georgetown. We didn't really have that many embarrassing losses this season. Uh, So, you know, you can't be too too upset with the victory when you get one. Uh, It's kind of a classic week for St. John's here at the end, right? One and one again. And this was our one win. That... That loss virtually locked Georgetown into the 10 or 11 seed. Uh, at, had they won, had they beaten us, uh, they would have had an opportunity to catch Butler, uh, but uh, things have shifted since then, and that, that's out of the question. Uh, so uh, we are locked in the 8-9 game. i will get to that a little bit later, but just to keep that in mind, uh, we are going to be locked in that 8-9 matchup in the Big East tournament. This was our seventh win in conference play, so brings us to 7 uh, and 11 at the time. Uh, and, you know, we really did expect a lot more than this, right? Mike Anderson talked about this is his best team he's ever had. This is a really talented team. We knew last year we we sort of overperformed, and we're hoping to carry on that this year, it, and it just didn't happen. You know, this team just never meshed together, um, and it's unfortunate, but we've got our seventh and what may be our last conference win, of the season in this Georgetown win. So you take the victory, uh, and you celebrate it as best you can. Uh, The other game last week was the unfortunate loss to UConn, 95-86. to This game was Saturday at Madison Square Garden. I have to say, before I get into the game, I was extraordinarily disappointed by our fans showing at this game. I was there. It was a packed crowd. It certainly was. The upper level was mainly sold out. And I would say it was like 75% UConn fans. That's pathetic. I mean, it's just flat pathetic. There is no reason that this game should not have been well attended by Saint John's fans, and should not have been loudly cheered for by Saint John's fans. They had UConn chance at times in the arena. It was it was disgraceful to be completely honest, uh, and it falls on the fans, right? It falls on you guys. There is no reason you shouldn't have come out to this game. We beat UConn earlier in the year when they were six in the country. I know this team has not been playing that well. I know. There's no NCAA tournament in sight. I know this team is disappointing and it's a bit in disarray, but you got to come out and support the team, right? You can't just complain from afar. That's not really how this works. You gotta come out and you gotta support it, listen, in good or bad. Because if you're not supporting them when we're when we're not doing well, then you know what what makes the winning feel good? If you only celebrate when we're winning, sure anybody could do that. That's what bandwagons fans are for you need to be out there and support this team. And I know that can be tough, uh, but this is a Saturday game at noon. It's a great time. There was no reason there should have been as many UConn fans over St. John's fans. Uh, So that was my one gripe with the fandom. It was, it was disgraceful to sit there and kind of painful to sit there and have to deal with all the UConn nonsense going on uh, in the arena. And I'm sure it, it, it hurt our players. I'm sure they weren't happy about it. Uh, And You know, just something to think about. Obviously, it's our last game of the year, so we won't get back till next year, and it's unlikely the Big East tournament will be heavy St. John's fans as the tickets are mainly dispersed amongst the teams, but just some food for thought there in this offseason. Plan on coming out next year and supporting this team up or down because, tell you the truth, college basketball is a unique sport in that they—maybe not a unique sport, I shouldn't say that, but is a sport where fans can have a really large impact loud fans can have a really large impact. And when you don't have that, it's to your team's detriment. It really helps having a loud crowd who's backing you, who's supporting you. You can build momentum off the crowd in college basketball. And you know that that didn't happen in this game in particular. A game, by the way, we could have won. We, we, only, we lost by nine, and I know at 20 points it was bigger. Uh, but we we went on a run in the second half, and it wasn't loud enough to get them over to a point where they were constantly battling. Uh, we also had some bad calls, which I'll talk about in a second. But, you know, had, that, had the cr- crowd been in it for St. John's, I think maybe the outcome of the game could be different. You know, just my two cents. Uh, all right, let's take a look at the numbers. Again, I'll talk about that terrible technical call. Uh, Coming up. Anyway, 95-86, to a loss. Uh, We shot 46% from the field. 31% from three, not terrible. Four of 13, that's actually pretty good. 76% from the free throw line. Uh, We got out-rebounded. Minus six rebound margin, that's not good. Uh, You know, we... Last game against UConn, when we beat them, we did a really, really good job uh, working on Klanagan and Sinogo. This game, we didn't. uh, And that's probably why we lost. Uh plus one on the turnover margin, though. Actually better this game than we did against Georgetown. Only 13, which is right around our average and pretty good. I mean, 13 turnovers is pretty low. That was a positive number. Um, the starters for this game were Alexander, Wusu, Store, Naiwi. It was senior night, so shout out to to niwi And Soriano, obviously his senior night as well. Uh, AJ Store led the way, though. 20 points, 7 of 15, 47%. From the field. He is by far our best shooter. And our lack of use of him really makes me question what we're doing. We should be putting the ball in A.J. Stewart's hands way more than we are. There was a stretch in the second half, probably six-minute stretch, where he didn't play. What are we doing there? That makes absolutely no sense to not have him in the game. He, Like I said, he shot 47% in this game. Get him out there. Get him shooting. He's a guy who can really score. He came on so well in the second half. He was, you know, obviously he's our best recruit since Shamari Ponds on numbers. And it showed. He performed extraordinarily well to the point where next year, if he stays, he's going to be perhaps the key offensive player for us uh, on this team. Let's get him going. Let's continue to get him opportunities to get game action, which is only going to better him in the long run. Uh, Posh Alexander showed up at Madison Square Garden, as he always does. 18 points, 5 assists. He also had a great day shooting, 7 of 12, 58% for him on the day. Those are great numbers for Posh. Um, I mean, even more so than we really expect him to score, uh, but he showed up in a big spot when we needed it, uh, and it, it it didn't pay off because we, we walked away with a loss. Soriano had another double double 12 points, 11 rebounds. Wusu, 6 points. niway like I said, got the start, 2 points for him. David Jones, though, 15 points off the bench, just getting the job done. 6 rebounds. You know, I mentioned it in the in the Georgetown conversation. He's really come on strong at the end here, and it's nice to see. Him. And and this is the David Jones we expected, right? We expected David Jones out there, 15 points a game, double digits always, in the mix for rebounds, playing big minutes, and that's what we got in this UConn game. Curbelo also back again, 8 points for him. For UConn, Jordan Hawkins had 20 points. Sonogo had 18, like I talked about, killed us, killed us. Down low and uh, uh, Klannigan five blocks, but we you know last game we were fouled him out where we, we got fouls on him early so he was out and then eventually fouled him out, and Soriano did a great job against Sonogo. That didn't happen this time. Klannigan stayed in. It was a problem for us the whole game, and it allowed Sonogo to open up and you know dominate so Joel a bit more. Um, and it's you know I'm, I'm not hammering Soriano. Sonogo's a great player. Uh, And he did such a great job on him the first time. It was unlikely for him to repeat this time. But it was frustrating to see because I know, you know, we know he can play better. We know we can shut these guys down because we did. And I think that's why this loss stings a bit more. Even more than the Creighton loss two weeks ago. Because we beat these guys in Connecticut. We knew, okay, this is a team we can beat. So let's go out there and beat them. And it it just didn't come to fruition. We just didn't. We, didn't, we played a decent game, we just didn't do enough. You know, we didn't stop them enough. We didn't score enough to get in a position where we weren't striking distance at the end of the game. One thing we do have to talk about in this UConn game uh, is the officiating, and I, I don't like to hang things on that, uh, but there is a key moment uh, in this game that I think particularly turned the tides. Okay, so St. John's is on a run, it's in the second half. All of a sudden, there's a timeout, WuSu's walking back. Uh, Newton, who's the player on UConn, has the ball, uh, and you know they they bump into each other. WuSu probably throws a little bit more of an elbow, but Newton wasn't getting out of the way. Uh, and okay, the refs call double technical. Now they had called a double technical early in the game as well uh, against Newton and and Niley. So that's one technical. This would be Newton's second technical, right? He called a double technical. That's two. You get ejected for that. Okay, that would have really been a key moment in the game here. So, technicals called, cool, now it's in a commercial break. Danny Hurley's going absolutely berserk. Freaking out, blah, blah, blah. Like he does. Okay, the refs then go back and take away, not both technicals, they only take away Newton's part of the technical. That's absurd, by the way. If you watch that video, there's no possible way you could say that only Wusu deserved a technical foul, on that, It either should have been nothing or it should have been a double tech. The problem is Danny Hurley cried and the refs got scared. And because of that, they took away Newton's foul so they wouldn't kick him out of the game. That's what happened on that play. They got scared of Danny Hurley so they didn't kick Newton out of the game. You either call that nothing or you stay with your call and you stick with a double technical. Under no scenario can you remove one part of a double technical. But, again, that's the wrong call then on the on the court, by the way. That means you made the wrong call, which, by the way, tick a box in the refs making the wrong call again. I, it, it was ridiculous, and it severely changed the game. We were, had momentum. It was going to be their ball. It was a timeout. But now they got to shoot a free throw and get the ball. Two free throws. Sorry, two free throws and the ball. It, it was ridiculous because Mike Anderson got a tech. That's why they got two free throws. Mike Anderson then got a tech. By the way, Mike Anderson getting a technical in this game is absurd. Even more absurd than not taking than taking away Newton's. Danny Hurley is screaming and crying on the court, yelling in the referee's face, and Mike Anderson gets one. And by the way, Mike, you, you get get your money's worth, because I was there. I couldn't tell you were yelling. If you're gonna get a technical, get a technical, get a real technical. Don't get a bullshit technical because the guy's upset, the ref's upset, so he calls a technical on you. Once he does, then you go off on him more. You know, you want to see that passion and and. I appreciate Mike Anderson getting the technical. Sure, good job, uh, but I-, I want you making a real point of it. You know, particularly in a- in a heavy UConn crowd, make a real point of getting the technical. Um, I know it's a bit criticism, and-, and people will say you're you're riding on Mike Anderson too hard, and everyone hates him. I haven't hated him, you know, for the whole season. I I, I think he's made some te- bad coaching choices. Uh, I don't hate him though. I mean, I've wanted him to succeed. The whole time he's been here, I wanted to succeed. Now, Uh, I I, just—it's ridiculous that they got away with with taking away Newton's technical, and it changed the face of the game. From then on, UConn went back, took a lead, and and, you know that was that was kind of killed our momentum. It was a killing moment, uh, and it was frustrating as hell to be there and and watch it happen. Uh, And you know, we certainly deserve better. We deserve better refereeing uh, than that you know even on tv i i turned on my phone in the in the arena and they were saying well you know and it's clark kellogg and Iron eagle it's not guys who don't do games regularly yeah that, that's not i don't really agree with that call that should have been nothing you know or it should have been left alone uh these guys are professional basketball guys i mean tell me tell me a more a, a, b- a bigger face of basketball than Iron eagle right i mean clark kellogg is you know these are notorious basketball guys they know it they know what they're talking about. When they say nothing's there or there's no double tech or there should have been a double technical, they're right. Uh, and so it's not just me complaining. Uh, and you know, it really changed the face of the game. From there, the UConn w- was able to to take back control, and we weren't able to get back, uh, despite you know some some good more, some good plays from guys. And it's rough, you know, like the rest of this season. It was a disappointment. Uh, so that puts us 17 and 13 on the year, 7 and 12 in conference as we head into this last week of Big East play. Before we get to looking ahead to this last week of the regular season, we have former St. John's
2: forward Aaron Wheeler joining the podcast. Hey, everybody. We're here with Aaron Wheeler. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Ready yes, sir. No that?
0: problem. I'm good. Good. Appreciate you guys having
2: me. Great, no, we're we're happy to have you on, and it's it hasn't been too long since you've been in the Red Storm uniform, but uh, it's still yeah. good to hear hear from you again. So, uh, we love that. So let's uh, let's go right into it. Coming out of high school, uh, you went to to Brewster, right? So yes, how how did you pick Brewster? What made you go? What made you go there? What was your uh, thought process in that?
0: Yeah, so I actually went to uh, another prep school before that. So I was at St. Andrew's School in uh, Rhode Island for two years before that. And like before that, I was at Catholic school in my hometown, and like I kind of, I used to play baseball as well. And like so, I was missing out on AAU. I didn't, I really didn't start playing AAU until like freshman year of summer. And like uh, once I started playing, I, I was seeing guys like my age and stuff getting these offers and everything. And then like just being familiar with them, I realized like a lot of those guys were going up to prep school, so uh my brother actually went to um yeah, i went to the high school attempt the catholic school for one year i was a freshman he was a senior and he actually did a postgrad year at cheshire academy and we kind of like saw how it uh helped his recruitment or even just like growth as like a as a person like being growing responsibility and stuff like that so um like my dad was actually trying to get him to to go to prep school before that, but he, he wanted to stay uh, at our high school. So seeing that, um, I did one more year at uh, Trinity Catholic. And then I went to um St. Andrew's school, like I said, did two years there. And uh, the opportunity came to like uh transfer to Brewster. That's such a uh, New England, that's such like a prestigious prep school, like a lot of NBA guys that went there. And obviously that's the end goal. So I felt like, we took a visit up there. They have a beautiful campus. Uh Jason Smith was uh very transparent. Um he was like, it's gonna be a lot of guys here, it's not gonna be guaranteed minutes. And I felt like that stage of my career was it would have been it was beneficial for me to like go head to head with guys, other high level or high level athletes, uh basketball players on a daily basis. I feel like honestly, that was when I was at Brewster, that was tougher than the games, to be honest. Like wow. playing against playing against my teammates. So um yeah, that was I think that was a very uh important like year in my life. I was only there one year, but it helped me a lot. So Yeah.
2: No, definitely. Like sometimes playing against tough competition is good, right? Steel uh steel hardened steel kind of thing.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then then you went on and you went to Purdue, right? Yep. Um mm-hmm. so what was that what was that like? What was that decision process and you know, how did you feel about that?
0: Yeah. So I was a little I mean I, I had a good amount of offers, but I I felt like I could have had more. And so after live period July, this is like right before I went to Brewster. I was hearing from a couple other schools, and Purdue was one of them. Uh, I was talking to one of the assistants, Jack Owens, and uh, they coordinated. So Coach Painter came to see me at uh Brewster. He he really liked my game. I spoke to him for about twenty minutes after he saw his play. And then I set up a visit with them, and my my thinking was kind of I didn't want to stress my whole senior year, so I was trying to not rush my process. But like once I kind of felt confident about a school, I wanted to just commit so I could play freely, you know, enjoy my senior year and not have to like press every game, like oh, there's teams, teams watching and things like that. And I think it helped me even have a better year than I would have. But uh, so I went on a visit uh to Purdue. My family was out there. It's a great academic school, great basketball, great basketball program, and that was big with my family. Was uh, my parents always preach uh, school first? So to get a school that was a great academic school as well was kind of, kind of the goal. Uh, we went up there; they showed they were showing a lot of love, treated us like family. I just thought it was uh, the right fit. So yeah, both academically and athletically. So
3: yeah, I mean, talking about your family, you have your father who played Manhattan, your uncle. Played at Yale. Your yeah. brother played in a smaller school in the Boston area, I believe. Yeah, Bentley University. Yeah. So, at what point did you and your brother start to be up on your dad and your uncle in one on one? It was
0: it was my dad. He could the thing with him. He couldn't move like he was. He was always limited moving. Like he wasn't running up and down with us, but he always could shoot. So we used to do shooting games and like. I would say, uh, probably like eighth grade, like I started to like be able to shoot with him, and he was like, okay, and that, that's when I started growing as well. So I think around like eighth freshman year, eighth grade freshman year of high school is when I kind of, he kind of saw I was passing him up shooting. So,
2: so then, so, so you were at uh, Purdue then for four seasons. You redshirted a year, and then you were a uh, were there for three years, right? Mm-hmm, yep. um, and uh, you guys made the tournament. So how was that playing in the in the tournament? Uh, it was
0: it was like the best experience I probably had playing basketball. Like when we my my uh redshirt freshman year, we made it to the Elite Eight and like the the environment was just crazy. So that was that was a really, really fun experience. I was happy I was able to go through that.
2: That's awesome. What
0: was the uh first time like playing at the XL Center for you? Oh, that was dope too, because that was my well, yeah, I hadn't played uh in Connecticut in so long so for it to be the first time back in Connecticut uh was in the tournament was kind of kind of special and then like a lot of my like I had like like the ticket list for that it was literally like 60 names like all my cut because my like my family lives in New York so they came up and I had people from my hometown so it was it was crazy so with your dad going to Manhattan
3: you have family in New York mm-hmm. before you get to campus at St. John's for your
0: senior year any St. John's love before that? Oh, yeah. So, like, I mean, I essentially – because people ask me, like, I stand from Connecticut, and they're like, oh, she grew up a UConn fan. And I was like, nah, honestly, I didn't because UConn's literally, like, two and a half hours from me, so we never, like, went up there for games and stuff. But, like, so my dad – we used to go – we always used to go to St. John's uh, because Norm Roberts grew up with my dad. So we used to go to – all the camps, in, like we were at all the camps in the summer. Like, I still going back, like when I went there, I was like, I used to face my brother, like, damn, this is where we used to play outside. So, like, so it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, I grew up, uh, St. John's, honestly, I grew up a St. John's fan. We used to go to the garden games. Um, so yeah,
2: that's awesome. It, so, it's yeah. kind
3: of it's crazy that you're doing camps there, and there's a chance that you and Julian and Justin Champagne oh, bumped into together. each other.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I probably might have ran <laughs> read it while I was there.
2: Uh, so going into your your I guess your red shirt junior season, you you decided to leave Purdue. So, what was some of that thought process, and wanted to come to St. John's and, and leaving? What what drew you to St. John's from from Purdue?
0: Yeah, so um, I mean it was it was a tough decision because like I did I love the school Purdue, but I just felt like for my basketball career, uh, I was just trying to take a bigger step. I mean, we were winning. And I, um, I just felt like I wanted to... I felt like I wasn't maximizing my potential in the role I was in. And it was kind of a mutual agreement when I talked to Coach Painter With no hard feelings, I still talked to them. Um, and then, so, with the St. John's piece, I was talking to a handful of schools, and I I want to say... I don't even think St. John's saw me in the transfer portal <laughs> or something like that. And then my dad, uh, he obviously is from Queens. And I guess... Somebody mentioned something to Van Makin and uh called my dad up. He was like, Yo, is your son in, is your son in the chamber? Blah, blah, blah. And immediately, they had Coach Anderson call us. And then Coach Anderson also recruited me at a height when I was at Brewster. He was one of the coaches that uh came to see me play um at Brewster when he was at Arkansas. So I already had a relationship with him, was familiar with his play style, and like once they got in the mix it was kind of like a no-brainer for me nice
2: nice it's especially nice i'm sure to be home closer to closer to home with your yeah. family and friends could be mm-hmm. could come more often
0: yeah exactly that was that was a big factor like most of my family is either in right now long island in queens or in connecticut so it was i was around family my whole year there
2: so what was mm-hmm. uh what would you say the biggest difference was in playing in the big ten and then playing in the big east
0: uh, I would say like the pace. Obviously, like with my uh, Coach Anderson uh, style, like we play up and down. But just like each of the teams in general, like in the Big Ten, um, obviously it's a they have a lot of good big men and throw it in the post a lot. So I, the biggest difference I saw was just like the the pace. Like we we got up and down a lot more on a game to day base or game to game basis in the Big East.
2: So, what was your favorite St. John's memory while you were while you were with the team?
0: Well, one of them was probably that game at the Garden against Nova. I wish we came out with the win, but like the at the end when we was coming back, like the crowd was very electric. That was that was a, a great experience in the Garden because like growing. I mean, I'm not from New York, but like I grew up watching the Knicks, St. John's. So like to have a moment like that in the Garden was really was really that was cool. Yeah, thirty-one points, six threes you made. That was a great experience. Yeah.
2: So did so, you pre- did you prefer to play uh home games at the Garden or at second?
0: I it, I feel like both of them had their benefits. Like, cause I I like just playing in the Garden because I never played it. Like that was that that past year was like my first time like being able to play in the Garden. I never played in high school or anything, so I always like just felt it was special to play in the Garden, but. I think like a the crowd crowd wise like energy and Carneseca because it's a little smaller packed it in, so um, I feel like we had a little more of an, a home corner advantage in Carneseca.
2: No, for sure. So you know, as once you came to St. John's, you know, uh, towards the beginning of the year you you know it took some time for you to get uh, comfortable but then once you got into biggie's play you know it really clicked and you Mm -hmm. were just on fire for a whole biggie's play uh it was it was a sight to see to be honest you were you were everywhere you were making shots left and right and how do you think that turned around for you
0: i mean i would be honest like it was it was always weird because like i was playing really well in practice and stuff and then it would come to the game i don't know if coach anderson didn't like trust me all the way or just like what he was trying to bring everything out of me. Like he always said it's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna get it out of you, I'm gonna get it out of you. I'm like, bro, just play me. <laughs> I was just like, bro, play me. But but I think like really what like like set it off was so in it was right before um conference play and COVID hit and a couple of our guys went down and then like uh we came back and we only literally have like seven, eight guys available to play. I started that game, I, I think, or it might have been my second game starting. I, I started that pit game, but still didn't play much. We played the Paul, and I started, played like 28, 30 minutes. I only had like five points, five rebounds, but like I I played well. And then from that moment on, I think the next game, we still had a couple guys out. And then the next game, I don't know how much I had. I think it might have been – I think the next game was at Providence, and I played well again. Might have came off the bench, but – from that point on, like once I got the opportunity to play like those twenty five plus minutes and like got comfortable, I think it just like and like I think I gained coaches trust. Then I just was like, all right, I set it off, and then it just kept I just kept stacking like good games on good games, and it just
2: you took off, you really yeah. did. So, who who are you closest with on the team on the St. John's team?
0: Because a lot, obviously, I was older last year, so.
2: Oh, <laughs> um, <Sure. laughs>
0: yeah. So, like, a lot of guys were still younger. I was cool with everybody, but, um like, I would say I was closest with, because I room with Steph Smith. So, I was close with him. We used to get food and stuff a lot of the time. Montez, Mathis. So, like, those are like probably my two closest guys just because we were similar in age. But, right. like, I was cool with everybody. Like, I was cool with jo- Joel as a clown. We always used to joke around Dylan. Dreesa even Jules, obviously Jules was a little t- more to himself because he had his girl. But like in the locker room and stuff, we was all, we was always, uh, we were pretty close.
2: So, uh, you know, I know you're in the, only the Big East for a year. But what was the team you disliked playing the most, or or you, I mean, is they disliked the most. Disliked
0: and also just liked playing was UConn, just because I felt it was a little personal, like because they never really recruited me. So I kind of took that a little personal. 100%. Uh, yeah, so I like I like playing them, or yeah, I like playing them. I, honestly, the team I probably disliked the most was seeing Hall. I feel like that was more of our like get up game because I felt like they even from the year previous they like Tosh used to say like yeah, coach. I think they played them in the tur- Big East tournament, and they were kind of talking toward the end. So like we kind of got up for that. that's I think the yeah the second time we played them we played them in that on their campus. We, we got up for that game so talking about one that you played
3: in that the was it walsh gym
2: yeah I walsh think. gym so yeah.
3: when scene hall was shooting free throws did you hear a high pitched scream yeah so that was nick uh in our from our podcast yeah <laughs> that was him so he was a he was the head manager for st john's for two years yeah he went to scene oh, hall, wow. to hall law so he got a ticket
2: yeah. as a scene hall student oh, but he was went- wow. decked out in the stand section as all with saint john stuff on screen at the top of his lungs so that <laughs> yeah. was him that's hilarious yeah he's like the dirty looks he got that entire night was uh he, he said it will last a lifetime
0: <laughs> that was yeah that the setup in that that was like a um but they did pack it out pretty well and like the atmosphere in there was kind of it was pretty cool like how uh, because it was so loud it was like a small pack what is it like a thousand people fit in there maybe yeah it's not really even small. not even so it's really it was like, like a,
2: it's not even really like a gym it's like a, yeah
0: i think the girls might play there but like that yeah that, it's like smaller than most high schools yeah yeah that was that was a good that was a good atmosphere over there
2: it's interesting you said seeing all because i feel like I guess going into this, we you know, we kinda of ask everybody that. Uh it's kind of one of our standard questions. But uh Scene Hall is like the one that comes up the most. And I and I, I think going into that, I didn't know that that was gonna be the case, but that is hundred percent the case. I think every guy we've talking to you from every era has been like scene hall, that's the Yeah. Year.
0: It's yeah. like I don't know if it's like technically our biggest rival, but I just feel like the New York, New Jersey, it's like always gonna be a little extra, extra okay. something in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the Jarvis era, the Lavin era, the
3: yep. uh Norm era, they all oh. hate Seahawks. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, uh, what's a piece of advice or knowledge that you got from from it could be from Coach Anderson or or from Coach Painter uh, while you were there that you has really stuck with you throughout your career?
0: Yeah, I think a big thing with Coach Painter, like you see it now with the team they have, like it's not always like the most. They usually don't have the most talented teams, but like he he teaches people to like buy into your role just to like basically sacrifice for winning and I feel like that's important even at like the level I'm at now if I'm scoring 20 points a game it might not be as valuable as if I'm doing other things to win because like I'm, I'm trying to get to the NBA and if I get say I'm on the Bulls they're not gonna I'm not taking 15 shots a game I want to team with Derozan, and Zach Levine so like just doing little things that like keep you on the floor like even right now I'm not shooting it well but I'm still, like, in the mix and the rotation because I'm guarding really well, uh, doing other things, like, just doing the little things that keep you on the floor, you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, going, having been to both Purdue and St. John's, do you feel more associated with one of them or the other? Like, I know you finished with St. John's, obviously, but you spent more time at Purdue. Do you feel, you know, is there a sense or is it, like, more balanced in terms of just, like, kind of feeling represented in both?
0: It's kind of, like, a little bit equal, like, because I still, it's crazy. I still get, like, a lot of love from Purdue. Like, even though I technically, I did graduate, so I, I'm alone, but, like, I did transfer. So, like, I've had teammates that transferred and they don't, like, <laughs> they could care less about them, but they still show me love. Uh I was, like, good energy and stuff like that around the locker room, so, like, I, I didn't have any hard feelings with nobody, but so they still show me love. But then, like, St. John's, it's, like, i finished there so it kind of feels like i don't know it's kind of it's kind of split i think it's split
2: no that's completely understandable
0: yeah which is i'm because like they're both i get i tried to i do my best like to network so i still i'm glad i could still have those connections from purdue and saint john's i think it will be helpful in the future you know
2: for sure for sure um and now talking a little bit about that actually connection wise and, and business wise. So going through your last year, there was obviously the NIL became a bigger mm-hmm. thing. Um, so how did you navigate that? And and I know you ended up with a Wilson deal. Is that right? Um, yeah, how yeah. did that come about? And how did you do that?
0: Yeah. So I'll be honest. I really didn't take advantage of NIL stuff as much as I should have. I kind of like my, my thinking like, i I wish I didn't, but like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to just focus on basketball. Cause if I, Play well, I'm a. The money will come, blah blah. blah but like, the money is there, like <laughs> while you're in college, so you might as well take advantage of it. But the Wilson deal, um, one of my guys that's like, uh, basically like he works. He he has a lot. He has a lot of young players in uh New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area that he will work out in the summer. We used to do open gyms with him and stuff. And he had a, a connection with uh, someone at Wilson, so it was like a bunch of us that he was able to get a little uh marketing deal for with their because they had they opened up a new store up in uh the city so that was just like a kind of like a one-time thing but um yeah that that's how that came about i just knew somebody
2: uh and so then the season didn't end the way we wanted it to end obviously the villanova loss in the garden was obviously heartbreaking can you take us through that a little bit in in the biggest tournament how that all went down i mean i know know you don't want to necessarily relive it (laughs) yeah yeah,
0: yeah. so like as much Cause I, cause I think we went up as much as like
2: 17 in the
0: first half. And I'm saying the whole time, like every time I would get in, I'm like, they're going to come back. Just like, they're going to make a push. Cause like, I was trying to just keep guys focused. Like, I'm like, bro, we know we played them. Like we know they're going to come back. They're not going to just fold. So like, once they started coming back, we weren't really surprised. um, But I just felt like, oh, we, <laughs> I don't know. We were so close. So, but like, I, I knew they. I knew they. Like I'm happy. We played really. We played lights out in the first half. Jules came out on fire. Posh was playing well. But we when they started making that push, it was just like we couldn't find an answer. And we did. We got. We had a chance at the end. What well, they they called that foul, right?
2: Well, of course, it was going over. Yeah. So with two seconds to go, all of a sudden there's a whistle on a play that I'm sure no one else in well, we get.
0: Were we? Was it tied or we were up one?
2: I think up one, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. So, I mean, I think we played well enough to win, but obviously we didn't. But, yeah, that, that won't hurt because I felt like we would have gained a lot of momentum from that. Um, well, I think we might have to win two more games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And it would have been, what was it, Providence Creighton next
2: or something? Providence Creighton, I believe, was next, Yeah. And you've been the first St. John's team to make it a Friday, I think, in like 20 Since years. 2000.
0: Really? Wow. <laughs> so
2: it would have been, uh, I can tell you, there would have been pandemonium in the stands. If oh, <laughs> my
0: gosh. But Nah, yeah. like the energy for, like, the beat. I say that. We played in the Garden during the year, but, like, the energy during the Big East tournament was ridiculous. Like, that game was nuts. Oh, that was. Yeah. All right, there, yeah. If we won that, <laughs> that would have been crazy.
2: It would have been. And then, I, you know, it would have been. It certainly would have been because I know that that Friday night was already packed. Would have been as crazy as it was on Thursday, it would have been as more packed with C. Johnson on yeah. Friday. But what are you gonna do? You know, sometimes the breaks yeah. don't fall and you know, you put it all on leave it all on the court and sometimes it doesn't it doesn't work, but what are yeah. you gonna
3: do? So uh I ran into you at the Butler game mm-hmm. uh in the Ray White Club. We were talking about your G League time and mm-hmm. summer league and but you got to witness that game against Butler. Uh, mm-hmm. We dominated them. We did have sloppy moments. We did yep. lose people on defense. And we just lost to them. Mm-hmm. I Um uh, Is there anything you can see from this team this year that, or like advice that you see that like, you can kind of give the, because the team, it,
0: we have talent. Yeah. We just need that run. Yeah. Get, nah. get. And it's like the, as as crazy like as bad as the season's going, like it's still a little bit of hope, just because we know they're capable of like going on a run. Like, what does it take four games in the in the Big East tournament? Like, it's yep. doable. I feel like the Big East is there's no like clear cut. Like Xavier's been playing well. I think Creighton's playing a lot better. but There's no like clear cut favorite, so it's it's still doable. I just feel like they just gotta be a little more consistent. I feel like in that Butler game at home. They were dominant, um, pushing them, turning them over, and things like that. And it just fit. and I I think a big part of it, like, um, is like they'll go on these like just terrible lapses, like throughout the game, where it's like a eleven over run, or like I was watching this. It was a while ago, but they they were playing at Providence and were up like nine, like four minutes left in the first half, and then they cut it to like three by halftime or something, or they might have went down. Then like, still, like, pushing into the second half, they went on, like, the 8-0 run. So, it's just, like, you got to be able to, like, I don't know what it is, but, like, just be able to, like, stand or stand through adversity, like, upstand those runs and things like that. Try to limit those and, I think, just be consistent throughout the game, a little more consistent throughout the game where it's, like, Yeah.
3: Yeah, Uh, the Butler loss that just happened, we didn't score a field goal in the last three minutes and 50 seconds, Mm -hmm. I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we talked to Sean Evans, he brought up that he sees the team is not trusting one another on defense. Mm -hmm. And that's how people end up missing their targets when they switch
0: and stuff like that. Julian brought up discipline. Yeah, I think that's a big thing too. Just like, I think it's linked in with just like, you try to play a little smarter, like with the discipline. Is like, like say say it's four or like they, cause they were up in that late in that game. They're up four minutes left. Just like slow the pace down, try to get a good shot. You don't. I know we play up and down fast, but like moments like that, just try to milk the clock a little bit, get a good set, move the ball, try to get a shot up, and like I don't know. I think that would help. Just if they. And control the clock, game, and score a little better toward the end of the game. That was our problem. I think that was a little bit of our problem last year too, because we we lost so many close games that I think we really should have been. We really should have won. Like we should have won. It was a little couple of them with bad luck, but I think we should have won at UConn. Um, we should have won. Yeah, we should have won. We really should have beat UConn twice. We, we lost them in the garden. It was a little like they stretched it up, but we were up like six or seven with like five minutes left. We should have be seeing Hall in the garden. So it's just sometimes time management. I think we could, uh, we could definitely get better at down the stretch. I think that would uh, make up for a lot of faults.
2: So, so now after the season ends last year, uh, you made the decision to move on from college and go to your professional career. So what, um, what went into that process, that that decision process?
0: Yeah, uh, I think, um, like, I'm grateful for Coach Anderson because he gave me the opportunity to, like, showcase my ability. And I just felt like, uh, especially in Big East play, like, I was able to do that. And I just kind of wanted to take advantage of the momentum I had. Because uh, going through some of the pre-draft process, it was like, a lot of questions like oh um like they questioned like oh we saw you do it this year um like what happened at Purdue so like I felt like take I took some of that feedback and just went into uh the workouts I did get to like show that like the St. John's me is more of the, the like that's more so it's not like a fluke that's more me than what I was at Purdue so I just I just felt like um it was the right time to to leave school or just be done with school, just to take advantage of some of the momentum I built this past year, and definitely um, I don't regret it. I feel like it's, I mean, it's always been a little little bit of a slow grind for me wherever I go, but I think it's it's working out. It's definitely working out for me. Yeah,
3: so you get, so you get into the G, uh, well, you get into summer league. Mm-hmm. You're with the Heat. They just are not giving you anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How frustrating was it seeing that practicing and just not getting on the court?
0: Yeah, that was it was definitely frustrating because I was already under the radar. Uh, Like I did. I thought I did really well. In a handful of my work, I think I had five total. I did well in most of them. And I actually the heat was actually my last one did well with them. And so they called me for summer league and it was frustrating just because I try not to get too high and low about things like that just because I I can't really control it. But it was frustrating because I I felt it was like a great opportunity to like uh, a great opportunity to like show people like I do belong because I I was I was kind of under the radar, even though I did have a, a good year last year, I was still under the radar and I just felt like. Yeah, it was like a not a missed opportunity, but like I just didn't get a chance to really showcase anything at all. So it was frustrating, but.
2: And then you got, and then you were drafted third overall, right, in the G League draft.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Got a little Mm -hmm. recognition
2: there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, now you're with the Windy City Bulls. Mm -hmm. So, uh, how, how's the season going so far?
0: Oh, it's going well. So, like, yeah, I started on Greensboro and kind of similar to Summer League. Like, just wasn't really game. I actually I can't say that I did get a. So we we had a lot of injuries early on. So I was getting the opportunity to play, but um, I just wasn't like I was just not shooting the ball well at all. So like I thought I was doing really well on defense and stuff like that, but uh, I wasn't really like producing offensively. I, I did I had a limited role and stuff like that, but still like I was missing shots I should make and things like that. So like. Weeks go by. I wasn't playing much. I kind of, like, expected it. Like, guys got healthy, and they ended up uh, waving me right before the G League showcase. So I was like, damn. <laughs> and I got, I got sent home or whatever. So I was, uh, I was home for Christmas, so that was a good thing. I was able to see my family. But um, I was just home working out. Uh, and then I think, like, the day might have been, like, Christmas Eve. My agent uh cuz I was talking to him I honestly so I didn't want to just wait around at the crib for like week or like them or months just waiting for a team to call cuz he was saying like yeah I wouldn't be surprised if a uh, team calls you to go to the showcase like uh to go to the Vegas showcase so I was waiting on that nothing really happened I was telling him, like cuz around this time it was like around Christmas time I was like, Yo, I'm gonna I'll give it like a week, maybe like a week into the new year, and then we gotta start looking at overseas options. Cause I wasn't just trying to be sitting on my ass. So um I was kind of like almost switching my mental to like, all right, might have to go overseas like right. the bullet. But um like Christmas Eve, he he texted me, he's like, Oh, you free the GM of the Wendy City Bulls and the head coach wanna get on a call with you. I was like, yeah. And so I spoke to them for like a half hour. They were just kind of asking me like how, how I was going in Greensboro, things like that, what type of like teammate I am and things. So it was, it was like a – it was a good conversation. And then uh, it was like, all right, yeah, we'll um we'll talk to your agent, Uh, try to get back to you. If things do work out, we'll be a quick turnaround. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm – I'll be able to fly whenever, or whatever. So, um, I called my because I told my brother and my dad and my mom about it. And I called my brother after, while I'm on the phone with him, he texts me. I think the GM texted me was like, "Yeah, we're gonna have you come out um the day after Christmas." I was like, "Oh, I'll bet." So I was on the phone with him. I was like, <laughs> "Cause I didn't, I didn't at this point." I was like, "Damn, I just got waved. What's next?" So right. I was just happy to be able to get another opportunity. Um. And then yeah, so far it's working out. I mean, they it's so they, they play they're kind of playing at like small ball five, but the way they do it, it is like or every position on the floor is interchangeable. So like I I've I've been able to take advantage because I'm good at like playing off the ball. So like I'm just able to I've been Manipulating like the big cause I have bigger guys on there. I'm able to manipulate them, just get yeah, easy easy layups like that, creating action for other guys. And defensively I've been doing a good job, just like hard hedging and things like that. So just trying to adapt to adapt to different situations. I think I'm doing pretty well.
2: So what's the hardest thing to uh adapt to from the college game to going to the G League and, and what's that been like? Um
0: I mean, aside from like <laughs> the the pace like it's even faster than the NBA. Like the pace in the G League is ridiculous. <laughs> like guys get up shots. so We twenty four second shot clock. Like it's rare for the shot clock to get under ten seconds. Like like so like <laughs> you and you like you get at first I'm surprised guys are I'm guarding guys and they taking shots like that's a terrible shot but like they don't they really don't care because like they really want to just get up and down so. That's that's a that's a big adjustment. And then just obviously I I spoke on it earlier, just like in college, like I was getting or toward the end of my St. John's career, I was getting 10, 12 shots a game. It's not like that. So you have to try to basically just find easy baskets, offensive rebounds, run out on the break, things like that. So just trying to get get yourself in the flow. Um, always trying to be productive and it's not always gonna be scoring too. That's what I found myself. Cause especially at this level was very political. Like you might think you're better than somebody and they're playing 30 minutes, you're playing 10, 15 minutes, or not playing. And they're like you you could see it like with the two way guys or assignments, like they they're kinda like getting all the plays and things like that. So I, I, I don't take it personally, but I see a lot of my teammates like take it personal i just try to stay even keel control what i can control and just always trying to produce like i just think it. like i have to i have to talk to myself like if i'm on the floor for like three trips up the court and i didn't do nothing i'm like all right get a rebound like like do something so like i always when i'm on the floor i just always try to be productive or have a positive impact so yeah just gotta it's, keep trying to stay weary of that
2: is it hard to gel with uh, your teammates like that? Because if everybody, you know, in, in the G League, you're trying to get to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that make it difficult to gel as a team?
0: Yeah, in a sense. I, I kind of felt a little bit of that when I was with Greensboro. Uh, it was harder. I don't know. It was harder for me to, like, get comfortable in that system. But with, I don't know. Something about here. It's like it's not. It Obviously, it was a little different. I came in, wasn't playing. Like, first couple games, wasn't playing much. Then when I started playing, it was like we weren't really practicing, so I was unfamiliar with the guys. But as time, like, two, three weeks went into it, I feel like I did. We were able to mesh pretty well. And just once – I don't know. It's all about, I feel like, once if, you're, if your teammates are comfortable with you, it's like – or trusting you a little bit more, then it's easier to get comfortable just because, like, the, the trust gets built. But, yeah, it it, it can be tricky because, like, At this level, things change quickly. Like, one day, somebody will be on your team next day. Like, we had a teammate. uh, He was actually playing in front of me when I first got here, Nick King. And, uh, like, we come into practice. And Coach was like, yeah, we a lot of you guys know we lost one of our team. I was like, I thought he got, like, traded or waived or something. And I'm sitting there like, oh, what happened? Because I don't think I was in the the play or the in the group chat or something. I think yeah. he sent a text to the group chat. And I didn't see it. Everybody mm-hmm. else knew what was going on, and he was like, "Yeah, he just took a job in like the Philippines." So I like, "Damn!" So then r- r- roles get adjusted. Then and then you have assignment guys go up, two way guys go up. So it's like always changing. Like it was like a two, maybe like a week and a half stretch. Like I was starting like five games in a row. Then the next. Then the assignments and stuff came down, and I played, like, two minutes the next game. So it's it's a lot of up and down, uh. just trying to stay – really just got to stay ready for real, yeah. yeah it's weird to see your box
3: scores when you score 13, have mm-hmm. a solid game, don't make any errors, mm-hmm. shoot a good percentage, and then the next game you're playing three minutes. Like, yeah.
0: Did you get but hurt? Like, <laughs> yeah, like me – so, like, a lot of guys, like, take it personal, but, like, Especially at this level, like you really can't control it. Like, like sometimes they get like my teammates will get mad at the coach or something. I'm like, honestly, it's probably not even the coach's decision to like, like I, it's like they're probably it's probably coming from the G, probably the Bulls G uh front office. Like, oh, we want to see so and so play today. So like, I don't even stress it. I just know my numbers called. I try to stay ready. Um, yeah, so it's not much I can do about that
2: some of the guys you play with on the team, um, like Javen, uh, Javon Freeman-Liberty, um, mm-hmm. they're guys you played with uh, against in the Big East. Yeah, like that. yeah, So, is is that interesting? Like, having both played in the Big East, is that, you know, you talk about that, or is it just kind of, you're going through the thing to get ready for the to move on?
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely, even when I was with uh, Greensboro, I was with Isaiah Whaley. So, I used to, um, he was on UConn, obviously. So, we, um like kind of talk trash a little just like but Javon couldn't say much because DePaul was terrible so we used to always whoop them but it was funny um our coach our coach I guess realized like oh y'all both play in the Big East um y'all play each other or something I was like yeah Javon gave us problems last year because had he had I think 39 on us so and um but nah he he's a cool dude it's like I know we're we played against each other but i kind of root for guys that uh i'm familiar with and it's like he he's been killing it uh this past like january he had a great month he had like three straight like 37 plus games so he's been doing well and i kind of just i just keep up with guys that i i'm familiar with so like i know tyrese martin out in college park you know that's a handful of big east guys that's in the g now even uh we played a 905 team and the kid from uh Creighton, Hawkins like it's yeah. just it's cool just seeing guys uh that you played against kind of at the same level striving for the same thing so so if you see a former scene hall player you got kind of give him the eyes like yeah i played so we played <laughs> um we played uh Roden Jay Roden oh, okay and it was crazy we played um cuz he he had just got traded or something he got picked up by Motor City. So, the I think the same day we was playing them, they were playing like a noon game. Uh, seeing Hall was either like the next day or something. So we was, I was like, "Yo, who you got?" He said, "Oh, you know." So, yeah, that was um, that's cool. I think he's the only seeing high seeing Hall guy in the G League right now that I know.
2: All right, Iron. Well, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us, and uh, we yes, you know obviously. We obviously hope you're uh, rooting for you. We hope you do mm-hmm. well in G league and, and we look forward to seeing the rest of your career play out. And uh, uh, I guess we'll ha- hopefully we'll have you back on in a couple, you know, a little while. Yeah, check in no with doubt. you. See what you're doing.
0: No doubt. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'll be around in the, I mean, I I'm in the Northeast, so I, I, I'll be around St. John's. So I'm sure I'll see you guys. Appreciate you having me though.
1: We want to thank Aaron for coming on again. We really appreciate him uh, joining us and you know it's it's great to see that he's succeeding in the G league it's great to see that he's getting the opportunity he deserves from his good solid college career i mean obviously we didn't get to experience all four of them he only came for his last year uh but you know he was the guy who was really explosive for us 10 points a game uh really you know made a difference on offense uh when we needed it he was a guy who was a hard player and a really key piece of our team last season. So it's nice to see that he's getting opportunities in the G league uh, and we wish him the best. All right, let's get into, you know, I forgot the spotlight player of the week. You know, I get a little discombobulated here without these guys here. Not usually, uh you know, not usually so sloppy, but anyway, let's talk biggies player of the week. Uh This one's a tough one. I mean, we had two guys have great weeks Uh and you know, I, I got to say though, at the end of the day, I'm going to give it to our guy, Posh Alexander. He's our number one guy. Uh, I love Pasha Alexander. I think he's a spectacular player. Uh, and he had a great week. I mean, 11 points against Georgetown, 18 points against UConn. I give honorable mention to AJ Store, though. 20 points, played absolutely great against UConn. Uh, and then he also had 15 against Georgetown. Now, I, I just, it was a close one, I have to say. You know, when, when all the votes were counted, all one of the votes were counted, uh, it was a close one. But I got to give it to Pasha Alexander. 14.5 points average this week, four rebounds, four assists. I uh, Just, you know, he made the Big East Weekly Honor Roll, uh, and it's well-deserved. You know, he it really is the heart of this team. When he plays angry and he plays, you know, with passion, uh, he's really a sight to see. And that was certainly on display this week. So shout-out to Posh Alexander for being the spotlight player of the week. All right, looking ahead to the rest of this week, we only got one game. Uh, we play at Marquette Saturday, 2 p.m. That game on Fox in Milwaukee, if you're there. Uh, Marquette obviously is a monster, number six in the country, currently sitting 26-4 and four on the season, 16-3. They've already locked up the regular season Big East championship, uh, so they will be the one seed when it comes to the Big East tournament. They are led By Cam Jones, he averages 15 points a game. They've got four guys in double digits, though, and they've got really multiple guys off the bench who are going to come firing at you. It's Igadara leads the team with six rebounds, 66% from the field for him as well. He'll be the guy that Joel Soriano is going to be up fighting against. Uh, And, you know, he's going to have his hand full. Listen, to be honest, we're going to have our hands full with this team. Uh, Just to go back, the last time out against him, we actually played a pretty good game. Uh, we lost ninety six to eighty five. We didn't have Andre Corbello in that game, but we didn't perform pretty pretty well. We we didn't perform poorly, is what I was going to say. Fifty one percent from the field, forty seven percent from three. You know, obviously, if we can keep those numbers up, you know, it puts us in a good place. Now, listen, I don't have much hope against this Marquette team. They're sixth in the country, and they certainly deserve it. They've got a shot at being a one seed, to tell you the truth. If they win the correct games in the tournament. Uh, they certainly find themselves on the one-seed line, and that's what they're playing for. So just because they wrapped up the regular season championship, I don't expect them to take the game off against us, which is unfortunate. Uh, I expect them to come out full swing, ready to go, uh, and, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle. I mean, it really is. Going back to our last matchup with them, just talking about our guys a little bit, Soriano had a double-double, no surprise there. Wusu had a a 20-point game, 21 points for him. Really good. David Jones was in double digits. And then... Posh Alexander, also in double digits, he came off the bench in that game. It's it's really going, we're going to need those guys to, to beat this team. You know, we're really going to need our main core, Soriano, Store, Wusu, and Posh. If, if they're in double digits and we're in the same shooting category we were against Marquette the first time, you never know what could happen. I mean, it, it's a, I know it's an extremely positive outlook, but you never know. I mean, all you can do against a team like Marquette is hope to put yourself in a place where they can make enough mistakes uh, for you to win. They're that good of a team that, you know, unless you unless they make mistakes, you're not going to beat them, right? We're not going to match up with them head on and beat them on town alone. We just can't. This team just can't. And it's unfortunate uh, to say that, but that's just the way it goes. Uh, but we are talented enough that if we put ourselves in the right place at the right time, we can beat them. I mean, we can beat anybody, right? We beat UConn when they were six in the country. We've routinely beat teams with Providence who we weren't supposed to beat. We can always beat, you know, anybody if we're in the right situation. And the last time we played against them, we played well enough to do that. Um, You know, obviously our second matchup against UConn didn't go how we wanted. Maybe the second matchup against Marquette will go differently. The interesting part uh, about this matchup is that, if we were to win on the Wednesday of the Big East tournament, we would face off against Marquette again in their first Big East tournament game. So theoretically, uh, we could play them, for them, we could play them in back-to-back games, but that requires us to win an additional game, uh, which I'll talk about where we're going to be seated most likely uh, in a minute. Um, But, you know, what can I say? The key to winning this game, I would say... Uh, do everything right we possibly can and hope for the best. I mean, I know that's kind of a silly way to say it, uh, and it sounds a little bit like a cop-out, but, you know, I don't have a perfect strategy for beating Marquette because they're so good. And I, I know the other teams in the Big East are good too, uh, but they are so talented, and surprisingly so. They weren't projected to be the number one team in the Big East, uh, but Shaka Smart has them in 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 prime fashion ready to rock and roll, and I just, you know, it, it's it's going to be a rough game, I would assume, on Saturday. Uh, so let's just hope our guys go out, play the way they did last time, and put themselves in a place where if Marquette makes enough mistakes, we take advantage of it and can come away with a win. Last time out, it was Oliver Maxson's Prov- Prosper who who killed us, absolutely killed us, 29 points uh, for him. It was the, the second most points in the game for him this season. Uh, you know, but they had four of their five starters in double digits, and, and that's their average. So, you know, we, we've got to play strong defense in this game because otherwise they these guys can score and they can score well and quickly. Uh, so that's, you know, that's pretty much our only key here is shooting three as well. We did it well against them last time, so we got to repeat that. Uh, do better on rebounding than we did last time against them. We were even in rebounding, we got to out rebound them. Uh, And turnovers, keep our turnovers low. I I know that's kind of our recipe for victory always, but this is a team that, like I said, is extremely talented and playing extremely good basketball. So they are currently the one seed, and they've locked that up. They've won the Big East regular season championship. Now, just to talk about the Big East a little bit, obviously next episode will be our Big East tournament show, uh, but we do find ourselves in the eight spot currently. Uh, ahead of Butler uh, in, in just to remind you, the big East bracket on Wednesday, now that with 11 teams, eight plays the nine at 3 PM, 10 plays the seven at five 30. And then 11 plays the six at 8 PM. We, we are locked in that matchup. We are actually locked in that matchup against Butler. They cannot be caught by DePaul. Uh, Butler currently has six wins in conference, but DePaul has three. Now Butler could flip with us. We could be the nine seed, uh, uh, if they win and we lose, but it doesn't really make a difference because either way we're playing three o'clock on Wednesday in that eight nine game, and then the winner of that uh, will play the number one seed at noon on Thursday. So that's where our Big East, our Big East seed is at. Just to give you a look at the Big East standings here, kind of in the middle of the week, uh, Marquette the one they're locked in. The real, real battle here is Xavier, Providence, Creighton. Uh, and UConn to a lesser extent. The th- two through four is all open. Xavier has 14 wins in conference. Providence has 13. Creighton has 13. UConn has 12. So they're all in the mix there for the two through five. UConn to a lesser extent because they would have to win. Uh, I mean, I guess they could flip with somebody. If Creighton or Providence loses, they could just move one spot up. Villanova uh, has 10 wins. Seton Hall has nine. Uh, Seton Hall most likely locked into the ten after their loss against Villanova. Uh, I mean, I guess if Villanova lost, they could they could flip. I don't know the tiebreaker against Villanova and Seton Hall, but uh, you know, they're most likely going to find themselves playing on Wednesday as well. Seton Hall will, uh, I would say. Anyway, so that's it. You know, I know it's a, a kind of a short episode, and you got just me. Uh, but hopefully we had some fun. Uh, and we looked back at what was an up and down week, and hope. Root, root, root for a big Marquette win. Uh, I would be happily surprised on Saturday. That'll do it for this week. I'm Vincent. Go Johnny's, Keep chasing.